This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. If you can hear me, clap your hand. Awesome. Um, so, first of all, I just want to say thank you guys for coming. Just a real quick announcement. If you guys can press towards the middle, um, because apparently a lot of people are trying to get in. Um, and if there are some extra seats somewhere, if you guys can just make sure you scoot towards the middle uh, to make sure we maximize all the seats, that would be great. Um, so if, you, if there's empty seats next to you towards this middle aisle, move towards that way. Everyone just make a shift so we can maximize the seats here. Um, Baby, you ready? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I uh, just want to say thank you for coming. We're very humbled uh, to see all you here for our seminar. Um, we are not by any means experts on the topic of relationships. Every relationship is different because every individual is unique. And the coming together of two unique individuals is something that no one can really foresee what's going to come out of that. And so our goal is really to accomplish two basic things in this seminar. Um, it's to talk about every phase of a relationship in terms of beginning, attraction, that initial interest, all the way down to parenting, anniversaries, and marriage, and all that stuff. Uh, because we have three and a kid on the way as well. Um, so uh, the other... Th <laughs> My wife is not saying, oh. <laughs> um, we, we also, I just want to make sure I acknowledge... Uh, my wife actually had surgery eight days ago um, while she was 16 weeks pregnant. Um, she had a appendicitis and then that was adhering to her fallopian tube. She was in a lot of pain. Uh, they found out she had a hernia when they went in. Um, and yet she is still here. So we can just give her a hand uh, for coming. So if you see me taking a little seat back here, you know why. I'm not yeah. passing out. We're not about to do a skit. Just doing what I need to do. <laughs> exactly. So let's go ahead and pray and get started. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we just want to thank you for the gift of life. And we also want to thank you for the gift of love. Not just divine love, but how that love can be expressed and represented in human relationships. We pray, Father, that you would guide us through the presence of the Holy Spirit as we discuss love's beginning as we look at the foundational pillars that we can set and how we approach this area of our lives that is so intriguing, that can be so passionate and bring a lot of energy and fervor to our lives. But we want Jesus to be a part of that. We want you to be the author of our story. And so we trust, Lord, that your spirit will do just that as Candace and I offer ourselves to be your tools this morning. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So first and foremost, um, I am Sebastian Braxton. For those who may not know, um, I serve as the CEO for the New Life Challenge. It's a, a health tech company. We do health apps. I do several other things, preaching, uh, nonprofit work, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm also a husband and a father of three kids. Uh, my kids are not here. Otherwise, you would see them running to the front of the room. Um, and so my wife and I could actually have time to actually present and not be distracted. Uh, my wife actually... Um, is uh, almost done with her master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, so she's really the true expert, right? I'm just providing the, the side stuff, I'm the sidekick. Um, and she also uh, went to Tufts University in Boston. Uh, it's very smart, very intelligent, um, but also very humble and very accessible. So this is the time when you gotta start praising your wife. So I'm already beginning the seminar. Filling uh, <laughs> up the basket. <laughs> So with that for this morning, um, we wanted to start and we called this seminar Advising Love's Beginning, Attraction and Dating. And uh, my wife and I have a very unique story, which we'll get to later on in the seminar, but we wanted to at least begin uh, by addressing some foundational pieces. So the first thing is we need to define the terms that we are working with, right? When we're talking about attraction and dating. We got to make sure we're clear on what we are talking about and what we are discussing, because we're not clear on that. We may not be clear on what's being endorsed, what's being encouraged, what we should be worried about, and what we should avoid. Uh, so the first thing is, what exactly is attraction? 
And so when we look at attraction, right, there's this very basic concept, as you see in this picture, right, of this magnetic, this draw, right? So when there is attraction, that means that an individual is drawn to another individual. That person just commands your attention. They make you want to look at them. And sometimes that comes for different reasons. Um, attraction can be based on a lot of different things, but the very core principle of attraction is that you are drawn to a person's company. You're drawn to interact with them. You're drawn to talk to them. And if we don't put this in its proper place, this is when attraction can kind of get out of control. And so we look at the fact that attraction is kind of that first level and what Candace and I call essentially this kind of love step where you go from attraction, then you go to interest, which means now that I'm attracted to a person, I start having a conversation with them, I become interested in them, right? And in that, point, that moment, I'm curious, right? I wanna know more about you, I wanna know what you do, what do you like? What, what's, your, what's your religious experience? Where did you come from? What are you trying to do? What are your aspirations? And in these particular elements, we build upon these points. The third one is what we call liking, right? So you see that emoji there with the hearts in the eyes, right? So when, when we talk about liking, right, Candace and I look at it and we say, this is basically the whole concept of preference, right? When you begin to know a lot about a person and you say, you know what, I prefer the company of this individual. You like them, right? This is not just attraction. This is not just interest. This is at a point where it's an issue of preference, right? Can you say preference? And it's very important that we distinguish that. Now, obviously, after that, we go into the issue of love. So we build this little step ladder. And I don't know, babe, if you want to talk about this a little bit. Or are you good? I'll do the next part. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, you have, initially we meet a person, we have attraction, right? Then we go into the fact that we have interest, right? And this is what we call a continuum. You have to recognize where you are on this continuum in your relationship with that person, right? And we have to differentiate these. And then you have liking a person, and then obviously you end at the point of love, which is very, very critical. Now, why is it that we have these steps? I just wanted to say that many times we use these terms interchangeably, right? Oh, I like this person when really we mean we are attracted or I'm interested, but really you may be at the other end where you're like, you really are in love with this person. So we want to make sure that you get this, this, the, the distinctions between the terms and that um, at least when we're speaking about them here, that we know that they mean different things, um, not just in... Yeah, they mean different things and there's a different intensity and, um, yeah, meeting behind it. And, you know, just to share a personal story, when I actually met my wife at GYC in Minnesota, 2007, and in my mind, that's when I met her. Apparently, I met her before that, just didn't know. <laughs> the time we met before, there was no liking, interest, attraction, nothing. Exactly. <laughs> And so, and so I remember seeing her at GYC. Uh, I remember uh, Alistair, we had found out that Alistair um, had a, a medical condition. We were all praying for him at GYC and I, I was uh, kneeling in prayer in the convention center after everyone had left. And uh, she was walking out of the convention center at the same time with her best friend and her younger sister. And I remember as they were walking, we were walking towards each other because we're going opposite directions. And I remember immediately thinking when I saw her, I said, like, man, she's really pretty. I need to avoid her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at all costs, you know, people who come to GYC looking for spouses, right? And at the time, I wasn't interested in that. I was all about Jesus is coming soon, right? I'm going to go to heaven, translated, without marriage. Um, and so I, I ended up not trying to be rude, and so I shook their hands and said hello and asked where they were from. And uh, I remember, right, going again from that time that I talked to my mother-in-law after we got married. My mother-in-law said, you know, when Candace came back, from Minnesota, her and my, and my sister-in-law, they were talking and they're like, oh, there's this guy, Sebastian. Da -da 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 and she said, you know, I looked at her and I said, you're in love and you're infatuated. And she recognized the fact that my younger, my sister-in-law, she said, you're infatuated. She looked at my wife and she said, you're in love. And my, my wife, of course, she starts blushing and she says, that's not true. No. But your mom says it's true, there's so it's true. <laughs> and in that sense, I use that to talk about in that initial attraction, right, there's interest but nothing really started developing beyond our ministry relationship because I was moving to Boston to start a ministry. So when I found out she was from Boston, we immediately started connecting on what we were trying to do in the Boston area. And so that was a blessing. And she was one of the main people to help us get Stride started.
Now, there's four key takeaways that we want you to walk away from in this seminar, and we want to be very intentional about that. Okay, the first takeaway for, that we like for you to um, realize that attraction is biblical. I know sometimes when we think about attraction, especially as um, young people that are trying to do things Christ's way, uh, we kind of get a little uncomfortable when the word attraction comes in because because it's not really deemed as being something that's like holy, you know? But attraction is biblical. It's okay. It's not, it's not the thing itself, but really it's how we handle it is what um, can become not okay. Yeah, and a big, a big part of this, especially for guys, is that sometimes we don't want to be seen, right, when we're trying to be in ministry and maintain our spiritual giant image, right? I'm super holy and super pure, so hi, sister. I only shake hands. Um, <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's as if, right, a girl is going to contaminate you, right, because she's pretty. But if she's ugly, it's okay. Um, and in this sense, right, and I'm telling you the truth, right? That's what they think. Except we do think the same thing too, ladies. <laughs> and, and in this sense, right, you know, sometimes I remember at my, my um, old church in Chicago um, when I was single, and we had this uh, youth group come and sing. And afterwards, we had a little social in the basement of the church. And so I was mingling, talking to different people. And finally, after I got through the whole crowd, I came to the side and the, and the mothers of the church, they're like, Brother Sebastian, you are good. I'm like, I'm good? Like what? You talked to all those young ladies and it was the same period of time. Every young woman, we were watching to see which one you talked to the longest. <laughs> because you know that people in your church are always trying to hook people up. Am I telling the truth? Amen. Oh, what about that brother? What about that sister? Everybody wants to be a matchmaker, right? So just start a website. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but in this sense, we want people to know that it's okay to be attracted to a person. It's okay to be drawn to them. And we want to give you terms so that you can name it. And once you can name it and once you can define it, you can control it. Mm -hmm. You can acknowledge what's going on and you can say, look, I can take responsibility for what's happening. And I'm able to think lucidly through my own emotions. I can look at a person, they can say, hey man, I know you're feeling me. No, I'm attracted to you. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm trying to be with you. Those are not the same thing. And so we want to acknowledge that as we're engaging in relationships and recognize that attraction is biblical. I don't have to feel sinful about looking at a beautiful woman or a handsome man and being drawn to them. That's not a sinful reality. Now, we'll talk a little bit later about some contingencies on that. So managing attraction is... Managing attraction responsibly is really what matters, which takes us to our next point that we want to take, want us all to remember and take away from this is that a way that we can manage attraction or handle it responsibly is remember that attraction is not in the driver's seat. Um, many times when we have this uh, emotion, we kind of allow it to take to take control or to take leadership in how we engage with the other person that we have this this affinity to. Um, and that can lead us down um, some very not-so-nice roads. That's right. And, you know, I have a lot more stories than Candace, so you'll get used to the fact that I made a lot more mistakes <laughs> along the way. Um, but I remember being in college, and there was this girl that came to my uh, school from Spain. And, of course, I was at a secular university, so you have, you know, interracial living. It was apartment building. And so this girl from Spain, she was really, really pretty. And I remember, right, of course, this is how we start playing tricks on our minds when we're not recognizing what's going on. So she's like, oh, I'm in the business school. I'm like, oh, I'm in the business school too. So we start talking. She's stressed out. So of course, you know, as a, as a good, you know, seven-day Adventist man, right, I should build a relationship to do evangelism, right? I should witness to this girl. And uh, what better way to mingle desiring her good? So uh, I decided to help her with her business paper. And, you know, I helped her out and things went well. And then next thing you know, right, I said, man, you know, uh, find out she's Catholic. She's from Spain. That makes sense. <laughs> and so I said, well, you know, you can't be thinking about anything beyond this unless she becomes a believer. So next step is desire of ages, right? Got to drop these books <laughs> off. Hey, sister, hope you're blessed by these books. And uh, the Lord was protecting me from myself because uh, two days later, I came back to my apartment and there was the desire of ages with a note inside. And the note said, uh, no thanks, blah, 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 don't ever talk to me again. And I was like, whoa. And for the next three years, she avoided me on campus. And we lived in the same apartment building. Now, in the end, right at first, I was kind of super hurt. Like, man, Lord, my bad. Like, <laughs> the Lord just gave me a little slap upside the head. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> but at the same time, I recognized that because I was praying and seeking God, God was protecting me from myself. 
He knew where that was going to lead because I didn't have the control over recognizing, Sebastian, you're just attracted to her. That doesn't mean anything. She don't know Jesus. She don't love Jesus. And at the end of the day, you know where this is going to end. You're going to reach the cliff and there's no bridge to the other side. Just to give you another specific example, when I was first becoming Christian, SDA, um, in Georgia, there was this young lady that before I was even a believer, I had approached her after po political science class and I tried to get her phone number. And I got her phone number, but I never called her, right? And then finally, I called her right before I met the young lady who started witnessing to me and leading me to the gospel. So months later go by, I'm reading the great controversy, I'm all into health now, I'm going keeping the Sabbath, and this girl calls me back randomly. She's like, hey, Sebastian, you know, you know, you had called me, I never got a chance to hit you back, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, great, right? So here I am again in my mind. You know, I'm attracted to this girl, we should bring her out to the evangelistic series. So we take her to the evangelistic series, we go out to dinner afterwards to talk about the message, and we're talking every single day, right? And finally, after about two weeks of this, the girl says to me on the phone, she says, Sebastian, does everything we talk about have to be about God? Whoa. Right? That's called reality check. And there I was, my little timid self, because I had been outed. You just got punked. It was like, no, no, everything doesn't have to be about God. I started talking about baseball or something else. But in the back of my mind, I knew this is over. You're at a crossroad. Either I'm going to cut this off and recognize that this girl is not interested in the same stuff I'm interested in. And that attraction is dangerous if we are not able to name it, define it, and make sure we manage it properly. If that's clear, let's say amen. Amen. Which takes us to our next, our next point here, which is acknowledging your bias. Um, so pretty much the reality check that Sebastian just mentioned, kind of being honest with yourself and knowing, okay, being honest with yourself and knowing, okay, yes, I am attracted to this person, or maybe I like this person, or I'm interested in this person, um, but where am I personally? Am I ready for something? Am I, um, can I harness and control the, the actions that I have as a result of the emotions that I'm feeling? Um, you know, are you taking time to prayerfully think and consider um, and be rational about how you proceed forward in engaging with the other person. So taking the time to really have some time of, of introspection, self-assessment, where am I? Yeah, and I, think, and I think this is a lot more important for guys than it is for women because I feel like women kind of know their issues, right? They may not necessarily be out with them and public with them, but they kind of know what kind of issues they have. Versus as young men, we get so focused on work and ministry, we're not really honest about our baggage. We don't even see that we have baggage versus a woman will know, right? You push hard enough and a situation comes up, she will let you know this is where this comes from. Well, I think sometimes, thank you for thinking so highly of us, but to my sisters out there, <laughs> sometimes we need to stop and smell the roses for what they really are. And so we'll let you continue on. I'll talk to them after. No, no, that's a good point. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, a lot of times as young men, we don't really recognize how important it is to be self-aware, to recognize these are the issues that I have, these are the areas where I usually fall, this is where I'm usually weak, and recognizing that we need to take measures to start growing in that area. When I was in college, I recognized after that situation with that Spanish girl that I had a problem. My concept of relationships and sexuality was completely distorted. And because it was distorted, I needed to take some steps to correct my own view of this area of my life. Because I came from the world. Inner city Chicago, all these different things. Sex was abundant. All kinds of cross relationships. People sleeping with other people's spouses and girlfriends and boyfriends. And all this drama that was always surrounding. Because people were like animals. They couldn't control themselves. So in this sense, here I am thinking that sex is this thing that happens in a dark place. You don't talk about it. All this stuff versus... Here is this biblical ideal that Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're able to be physically intimate in the presence of God and angels. Because at the end of the day, God is always watching. So how is it that the Bible can say marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled? Every other bed that is soiled outside of marriage is defiled. 
So I started picking up books, going through the Bible systematically to say, I need to correct my own understanding of this area. I need to understand the biblical ideal and what does the Bible have to tell me about this area of my life. And as I went through that study, I saw my own misconceptions at the same time. So as young men, I think it's very important that we pick up books and that we study, that we read, and that we have conversations, people that we can talk honestly about this particular area of our lives. I think that, I mean, we can also apply that to the ladies too, of taking time to um, educate ourselves or yeah, educate ourselves through different resources that are out there um, yeah, physically, in books, etc., or even in people. Um, but I wanted to mention uh, and there's a big importance, there's, there, that is a very important um, element that we need to, to consider. But I think even going back a step further, many times we, well, I'll just bring it back to myself. So a lot, a lot of um, my girlfriends and I, you know, we'd always refer to it as, oh, I'm looking for my Adam. And you know, you're at church, you're like, there are no brothers in here, there's nobody uh, worth looking for or looking at here. Um, and we're always so focused outwardly um, as to what we're looking for. Does this person measure up to what it is that we're looking for? And you know, we have our list of the things, qualities, traits, height, weight, um, <laughs> favorite really? color, all these different things. You know, some of us do. So do I fit your height requirement? <laughs> You're everything. Okay. But, <laughs> but many times we're always focused outwardly about what, what we're looking for. Is that my Adam? Is he there? Where's my Adam? Jesus, praying. I want my Adam. <laughs> um, and then I remember one day, I think it was a, a very good friend of mine over here. Um, he asked, he said, you know, if God were to bring your Adam, would he think you're an Eve? And I was like, oh. Yes, sir. <laughs> It was him, but <laughs> guess who that friend was? Um, but it was a very sobering question. If this Adam that I've been praying for and wanting and desiring were to come and to see me, would he consider me to be uh, uh, an Eve? Would I be um, someone that was fitting, that was fitting the standards that he was looking for as well? And so many times we need to take time to think about, okay, what is it that I'm bringing? What is it that that God and I need to work out and fix, um, whether it's my anger, whether it's um, different insecurities, you know, finding that, that um, finding, I don't know, not our center, I'm not talking about meditation or anything, but <laughs> finding our place of being secure, you know, um, with the Lord and, and, and with ourselves and not looking outwardly for someone else to fill those different things. So, yeah, knowing where we are, being honest about that, coming to the Lord with, with that and making sure that we can be the best women um, that we can and that God created us to be so that if our Adam does come, he'll say, for sure, that's my Eve right there. Amen. Amen. I think um, the one thing I'll add, babe, is that, you know, also as a guy, sometimes we think because we're spiritual and we have a job and we can provide, that that's sufficient. And we sometimes ignore the practical sides of life. And my spiritual mother... Um, she's actually giving a seminar down the hall, uh, Dr. Watson. I remember she told me long before I met my wife and was, had a girlfriend or anything, she said, so Sebastian, um, you know, we have these conversations every once in a while where she pray with me, recommend books and all these different things. And she said, so uh, what's up with cooking? You know, do you, are you able to cook for yourself? And I'm like, cooking? Yeah, I'm a college student. <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I could hook up some Chipotle, you know, spice it up a little bit. But, you know, she, she basically pulled me aside and she said, Sebastian, you don't want to marry someone simply because they can do things you can't do. So you're marrying her because she can cook? You're marrying her because, oh, she can iron your shirt and she knows how to keep a place organized and tidy? But you need to learn to do those things yourself so you're not marrying her because of what she can do but because of who she is. And so next thing you know, I'm over here cooking, teaching myself all these different things. I can sew the buttons on my clothes. I can fix my shirt with a needle and thread. I know how to iron. I know how to dress, coordinate colors. Some of us as brothers, we don't know how to dress. Like, I know the ladies can say amen. You know, brothers come to GYC looking toe up. Like, I'm like, bro, that don't even match, man. Like, and you're wondering why you're walking around single. Like... It's the truth. 
But so at the end of the day, and I'm telling the truth, right? There was a time where my dad took me aside and you had to learn part of being a man wasn't just, I can pay the bills and do this. You all had to learn how to put yourself together. You understood, you understood context in terms of my dress. You understood how to tie your own tie. You have a full Windsor, you have a half Windsor. You know how to tie a bow tie. You understood that you need a gig line, that the line on your shirt needs to match up with the buckle on your belt. All these different things that we felt were important and what we had to learn and to do as a young man, sometimes we forget those practical things are also important. And ladies, don't let brothers off the hook. Just because he can give a good Bible study and he's active in outreach and he's got a job that's paying more than $30,000 a year doesn't make him marryable. It makes him eligible, but not marryable. He also needs to be able to grapple with other personal aspects of life. And I think that's very, very important. I'm glad you talked about the practical things, because of course, ladies, I think our mommies teach us all those different practical things, which are very important, especially um, as you move forward and, and you are running your own home, et cetera. Um, but I think also sometimes we get so focused on the type of person, you know, the, they're spiritual, whether they're spiritual, what kind of occupation, da da da, that we also, we don't really take the time to figure out what God created us to be doing. What is the purpose and the call that he has for us specifically? Um, and yes, we're help meets, but we also bring our, we bring by help, to help, we have to be like a, a complement. And so a complement is, is not just something that's below, it's equal. And you have to have um, some substance to that too. So taking the time to um, really consider what is it that God has called me to do, what he has purposed for me to do, and really be exploring that. Um, and many times we'll find that in doing so, our atom will appear. All right, so our next, is this mic on? It doesn't sound like it. It's not working? Doesn't sound like it. It's on? Okay. All right. Well, can you guys hear me? All right, okay. I'll just preach. So, no? It sounds, it sounds a lot weaker. It's on? Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Can oh, you guys maybe, hear me? I think you need to move it. Move it over? Yeah, I think you need to move it. All right. While he's moving that, our next point here says emotion plus reason equals a better choice. Um, and this is just to, again, um, articulate the fact that our emotions, the feelings, the attraction, or what have you, that's well and good, um, but we also need to be rational about it. Um, so it's not one driving the other, it's both working together um, to help us make the best choice when it comes to who to give our affections to. And I think one thing that you know, Candace and I um, believe about emotional intelligence is that sometimes we think everything has to operate on pure reason. You know, we've had people come to us and, oh, I'm interested in this person, I'm interested in that person, and they start listing out all these logical things. Well, Ellen White says this in Adventist Home, and she fulfills these to the T. That does not mean that you should marry her, right? right. Um, the him. recognition of the fact that it's reason plus emotion. And emotional intelligence recognizes the fact that your emotions should be partnering with your intellect in order to make a better decision. There's times where you know that a person may, there may not be anything wrong with them, but there's a sense in your own being, right? The Holy Spirit speaks to us even through our emotions. We feel like something's wrong. We can't explain it. We can't articulate it. And I've had relationships just like that. And I remember specifically, you know, ending a relationship, prayed about it a lot, and I really had no reason to end the relationship. I couldn't think of one real issue. And yet the Lord was impressing me to end the relationship. So I ended it by faith. And of course, you know, the girl was not happy. I felt bad about it. And so I started praying. You know, one of my spiritual sisters said, Sebastian, you should just pray for her, you know, keep her on your heart, keep her before God. And so while I was praying, um, the Lord literally gave me a vision. And I'm not even exaggerating this. So I'm praying and God basically shows me, right, visually, that she's going to be coming to talk to me at this specific spot. This was going to be the time, this was going to be the sounds, and this is exactly what she was going to ask me, was about getting back together again. So I'm like, okay, this is a little weird, like maybe I'm hallucinating, too much pizza. 
Four hours later, I get a call from her. And she says, hey, I'd like to talk. I got some ideas. Sure, let's meet up. Where does she decide to meet up? Clock Tower. At this time. Now, by this point, I'm like, this is weird. So we go there. As she's walking up, I'm sitting there. Just like the vision, the time strikes. I hear the bells on the tower. And she comes. And what does she say? Sebastian, I want to talk to you about getting back together. And I looked at her and I said, God told me you were going to ask me this question. And he told me to tell you the answer is no. And I walked away. Now, in that moment, right, what is a girl going to say? <laughs> uh, you're not a prophet? Like, it's like, what is, what is, what is a person going to actually say? But in that moment, I, I say this because sometimes our feelings that something is off, we don't give them legitimacy. And emotional intelligence is not saying just trust your intuition and your emotions. It's saying partner that with your reason. And obviously bring that to God in prayer and you'll, the Lord will work it out. And sometimes our reason comes first and then maybe the emotion comes after and we're trying to figure that out and balance those out. Um, uh, in one of, in a situation I had, um, so this was some time back where there was a guy that uh, I wasn't really interested in. I wasn't really, there was no interest or attraction. Well, there was attraction, but there was no interest because <laughs> I knew that he, would, he and I were in two totally different places spiritually. And I had just come out of a really bad relationship uh, so I wasn't looking to, to go through all of that all over again. But it was kind of nice to have a friend, right? So since I'm not interested, hey, there's no harm in hanging out. Mm. And so, um, but... <laughs> before we hung out, I was using my reason. Praise the Lord. And so I wrote down a list of all the things why I knew that this person wasn't, you know, a healthy choice at all. Uh, so I made this list, you know, it was kind of just like, well, I can't take total reason. I, I think the Lord definitely impressed me too, because it was kind of like, why am I even writing this? These things are so, uh, they're, they're so obvious, right? Um, but anyway, we started hanging out and then it became hanging out a little more, a little more, a little more. And I started feeling something and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? <laughs> and so, um, and you start thinking, well, maybe this, you know, maybe there is something here. Maybe something can develop. And the Lord brought back to my mind that list I wrote down. So I went back, reviewed the list. I was looking at all of the things. Nothing had changed. He was the same person. The reasons that, that um, before, um, I, that indicated to me that this was not somewhere I wanted to go, they were still present. But for some reason, my feelings had had my emotions had definitely changed mm -hmm. and so here again we see emotions plus the reason um in this case i had to keep my emotions in check and realize okay this is something that's not healthy so i need to um amen move back let this one go praise god we praise got, the lord because you got this one amen amen <laughs> so, baby we have like time so we probably should get into the bible now okay well, let's go ahead and, and look at these things in the Bible now that we've given you the main takeaways. So let's look at some biblical ideals. First of all, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we're looking at Adam and Eve. Now, before we do that, I want to show you something in terms of the trees that God had made. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. When you're there, you can say amen. Okay, if you're not there, just say, have mercy. Genesis 2, 8. Are we there? All right, so the Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, who planted the garden? God planted the garden. Amen? Now, verse 9, it says, And out of the ground, the who? The Lord God made how many trees? Every tree grow that is what? Pleasant to the sight. What is another word way of saying that? The trees were beautiful, right? They were attractive. You wanted to look at them. So how many of those trees were pleasant to the sight? All of them. So we can conclude from this initial text, which is in the context of the creation of marriage, that God is a lover of beauty. Can you say amen? Amen. Every tree. Every what? Tree. So you're telling me God's going to make beautiful trees but ugly people? Yes or no? Yes. 
Aynen. No. God is not going to invest more creative power and genius and design in a tree than he will in the very crowning act of his creation. Can you say amen? Amen. So what that tells us is that if every tree from the ground was pleasant to the sight, imagine what Eve must have looked like. Right? She was, she was pleasant to the sight. There was no question on that. God amen. did not just make her to be, oh, she's a helpmeet. She's really strong and functional and very organized. And Adam was like, oh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, you know. <laughs> it's like, he don't want to look at her, but, you know, she's good for me, right? The Brussels sprouts relationship. Yeah, you know, she don't look that great, but hey, this is what you need, Adam. It's good for you. God is not a believer in that. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Amen. It's the truth. You know, Ellen White mentions to us, it is a sin to marry someone you don't love. It's a sin. We cannot toy with people's feelings and affections like that. And so don't be ashamed. It is not shallow to say, hey, I'm not interested in that person because I'm not attracted to them. Mm -hmm. When God made Eve, she was attractive to Adam. Just like the trees were pleasant to the sight. Now let's keep going. Mm -hmm. It says that God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight. And that was what? What was the other quality? Good for food. What does that tell you about the tree? It wasn't just beautiful, it was also what? Functional. Useful. It was also healthy for Adam, right? This tree is good for food. There's things that are bad for food. Isn't that true? Right? Don't go out there and get a Mountain Dew bad for food. It's like, it may be something you can consume. And this is the same thing that applies to relationships. That when God comes to Adam and Eve... Attraction is completely biblical. God is a lover of beauty. And I remember, you know, being in England and preaching, and one of the things that the preacher was talking about was, you know, when you see a pretty girl, he says, the first look is for Jesus, right? The second look, that's when you're going a little far. So you look at someone, you say, man, that, that's a good looking person. Praise God, right? God make things pleasant to the sight. <laughs> Once you keep looking beyond that, you're going into a whole nother area. And, and in this sense, we acknowledge in our own lives that noticing that a person is good looking, being drawn to them, being attracted, being attracted to them is something that is biblical. Mm -hmm. God made them that way. Amen. Can we go to our next, our yep. next um, example? Jacob, Jacob and Rachel. So let's go to Genesis. And we're going to look at... Let's see. 29. Genesis 29, for sake of time, we'll just jump right to it. Genesis 29, beginning in verse 1. Are you there? Amen. All right, the Bible says, So Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look. His daughter, Rachel, is coming with the sheep. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now notice how the story develops. Now while he was still speaking with them, while he was what? Still speaking, right? The brother is still finishing his sentence. It says, and it came to pass when Jacob did what? What does the Bible say? When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother, then Jacob did what? Kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. The brother was not weeping for tears of sadness. <laughs> That's the first thing you need to acknowledge. 
It says he saw Rachel coming as soon as he saw while he was talking. He saw Rachel interrupted himself, went straight to the well, moved the stone. Ladies, you need to recognize, right? You inspire men to be heroes, right? <laughs> we want to do something great. You got to watch out for that very fact. That is a sign of attraction. When a guy wants to help you out, go the extra mile, that's not just a good Samaritan. Say amen. Like, <laughs> it's not just a good Samaritan. Oh, you know, he's just a good Seventh-day Adventist young man. Baloney. That brother is not just helping you out just to help you out. As much as we like to believe, we're just wholesome good people. And there are some brothers out there, but please believe. If a brother is single around your age and he's going at two miles when you only ask him to go one, he's not just following the Sermon on the Mount, right? <laughs> it says in verse 12, And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son, so she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? This is a very critical question. Now Laban had two daughters. That does not logically follow in the story. Hey, man, you're sitting here, you know, with us when, in our family. What should you, how much should I pay you, you know, for your work and for your help? Oh, by the way, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. That's another way of saying she was not pleasant to the eyes. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Look, Rachel was not just pretty. Rachel was like an athlete. This girl was physically not just in good form in terms of her body, her strength, all of that. She was also beautiful. And it says, now Jacob in verse 18 did what? He loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Now I want you to think about this. This man just saw her. He came to stay with him, maybe a month this conversation happened, after he stayed there for a month. And Laban says, what should I pay you for all your work? What man would go to UPS, would go to the post office, would go to the grocery store, and they say, hey man, what's, what's your wages? Hey man, I'll work for her. No paycheck. I want to receive your daughter. Now, obviously, there's a certain custom involved in this in terms of dowry and all this. He wants to work that off. But the main point I'm trying to draw out of this and that we want to bring out is that, again, Jacob was attracted to Rachel. He was not attracted to Leah. Are you following? And the Bible is highlighting that fact and that he wanted to marry her for that same reason. And there was nothing wrong with that because he had asked other questions besides attraction. And I want to know that that is a critical point that's catapulting us forward. And I think we should um, move on over to Joseph. Sure. Because we have about five minutes. Okay. Eight minutes. So let's go to Genesis 37. Genesis 37. So here we see with Jacob and Rachel that Jacob didn't just say, oh, she's pretty. No, he asked, what, whose house are you from? He wanted to make sure that, hey, she couldn't just be a Canaanite woman because his father told him. Don't go marry someone from the Canaanites. Don't go marry someone who's a false worshiper. Don't marry someone who does not seek God. And understand the inheritance that we have in terms of truth and the relationship with the God of Abraham. So now we see that in that attraction, it was not in the driver's seat. It was not the only thing that Jacob was concerned with. Oh, she's beautiful, that's sufficient, that's it. No, he wanted to know that she was of that same family that his father told him. Now, when we come to Genesis 37, I'm sorry, Genesis 39. When we come to Genesis 39, we see Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. So now, let's go ahead and start in verse 5. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house 
and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was what? Handsome in form and? Where did you hear that from? Rachel. And whose child is he? Rachel's child. You to recognize this, right? The Bible is giving you clues. <laughs> so here is Rachel, beautiful in form, beautiful in appearance. Her son, Joseph, beautiful in form, beautiful in appearance. So now we're talking about a man. Now let's keep going. Verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, what does she do? Cast longing eyes on Joseph. I want you to notice this phrase, casting longing eyes. It's one thing to cast your eyes upon a person. It's another thing to cast longing eyes. That's the second look. That's right. That's the second look. She's over here casting longing eyes and she comes to him and says, lie with me. I want you to notice zero to 60 here. <laughs> Slave. This guy, you own him. He doesn't work for you. You own him. He's your property. And in going through this very fact, it's like, well, Joseph is my slave. He works for my husband. Like, he literally runs my house. He's like my maid. And yet, here's this woman looking at him and saying, well, he's handsome in form and in appearance. And her eyes are not just looking to admire, but she's longing to have this for herself. She wants to consume her lust upon Joseph. And this is a classic example and biblical terminology of how we start getting into infatuation and when we allow attraction to run its course and be in the driver's seat. And I want you to notice this is in Egypt. She's not a believer in God. They don't believe in the God of the Bible. They don't believe in the God of Abraham. They don't believe in this religion. And so in their culture, she's acting on Egyptian principles, just like Abraham and Sarah, when he went down and he said, oh, tell them you're my sister. Why? Because Pharaoh is going to take her. Why is he going to take Sarah? Because she's beautiful. That's all they cared about. So if all you're thinking about is how a person physically looks and just their body and their appearance, you're an Egyptian. That's worldly thinking. You see it all the time on reality TV. You see it all the time in movies. You go in, it's like, oh yeah, uh, just met. You're attractive, I'm attractive, boom. All of a sudden, we're sleeping together. That's not how life works. And definitely not a godly one. Mm -hmm. Somebody should have said amen. Mm -hmm. We must be careful to recognize that when a man or a woman cannot wait. When a man or a woman cannot wait, they don't love you. Just remember this phrase in your mind. Stop casting longing eyes upon me. Sometimes you need to tell your boyfriend that too. Or your girlfriend. Don't cast longing eyes upon me. And start pressuring a person. And I want you to notice how often she came to him. And then we have to move on. Mm -hmm. It says in verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife. Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph, what's that next phrase? Day by day. day, by day. Mm -hmm. Do you know how powerful infatuation is? This is what happens when attraction is in the driver's seat. It will not be denied. It will go day by day by day by day until when? Joseph was locked up. She would not stop. Every single day. Lie with me. Lie with me. Lie with me. Why won't you sleep with me? Every single day? Because she was simply driven by that attraction. Mm-hmm. And we know how that story ends. Um, unfortunately, Joseph ends up in prison because he does the right thing. And sometimes for us, when we are doing the right thing and we realize, no, this is not where I want to go. This is not what I want to be about. Um, it doesn't always end up in the right way for us in that others may not view us appropriately or um, 
But at the end of the day, we know that we live for an audience of one, and that's God, right? So once we are doing things according to what we know that he has told us is right, um, that's what matters. Um, um, as we come to our close, though, we just want to quickly go through um, uh, these popular be beliefs and misconceptions, which will kind of summarize everything that we've talked about and just kind of put a push, push pin in um, and a few others. Sounds good. So... Um, common misconception or um, belief is that I have to act on my I have to act on my attractions, and through what we've talked about here, we know what the answer is. Do you do have to act on your attractions? Yes you? or no? No. Okay. Absolutely Amen. not. No, we don't have to act on our attractions. Um, um, we remember that our attraction is just part of the equation. We need the reason as well. Um, and that is what we use to be emotionally intelligent in our, cho in our choices and our decisions and engaging with um, someone that we're, we have feelings for. Um, many times we think that attraction is only physical. Um, I can't give the story now. <laughs> it's right, Sebastian babe, Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. Well, um, uh, when Sebastian and I were first getting to know each other. I was telling him last night and I didn't know exactly how to break it to him or how to share it so that it didn't sound bad, but this was my first Christian relationship or a relationship where I was seeking to do things God's way. And so there were a lot of things that were very different. And one of the things that was different was my attraction to him. Um, I think, I believe my husband is very good looking. Um, but when we were first talking, <laughs> That wasn't the first draw for me. I was attracted to something else. I was attracted to more of the qualities that, that I love even more now today. Uh -huh. But I think, I think my husband is, well, I'll save that. She's putting that qualifier because last night she said, you know, the first thing attracted to me was not how you looked. It was, uh, I was like, oh, I see, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, we're married now, so. <laughs> but it was very weird for me to not, for, physical attraction not to be the thing that was driving me to him. Because with every other guy that I had seen, that was the first thing that made me want to know a little more. And then you become disappointed. Um, but it worked in the reverse. Um, so yeah, just remembering attraction is not only physical, and that's okay. Um, we've come and realized that attraction and liking aren't uh, are not That's a misconception. So yeah, yes. this is the misconception that attraction and liking are the same. No, um, we choose who we like. Right, um, because the attraction's there, and liking is saying that we are we are desiring to learn some more about that person, mm -hmm. um, or that's interest. And liking is the actual okay. I want to to get to know this person more. Mutual liking does not equate um, being ready. Oh yeah, another misconception that mutual liking um, equates to being ready for a relationship. Um, and we learned early on in ours, well, I learned early on in ours, <laughs> that that is not true. Again, this was the first time trying to do things um, the way that I thought God thought, uh, that God said would be, you know, was the best way. And so when we had, when Sebastian has finally expressed his interest in me, I was like, hey, let's go. Because um, mine were there. So I was like, okay, so the next thing is, let's go forward. Relationship, we're going, when are we starting that? And... Actually, it, didn't, it was a year and a half before we even started a relationship. A year and nine months. Yes. I was it was a long time. I was so confused. But that's for another, <laughs> that's for another conversation, next session. Um, but there were a lot of things that we needed to work out. Um, uh, we'll talk about later on having our Abrahams or having our spiritual parents that um, we were taking advice from and that were advising us how to properly navigate these waters. And so I'm thankful for that time that we took. It was definitely needful. Another uh, misconception is that people think because I don't like him or her like that, it's okay for us to hang out regularly. And this is a way that you can play with the affections of another person. So just because you're not attracted or you're not interested doesn't mean you have the license to do things you wouldn't normally do with other people. Are you following what we're saying? Right. So don't get that in your mind that, oh, you know, this is a misconception. Well, he's not even cute to me. Like I'm not attracted to him or she's you know, she doesn't look good to me. So she's just a good friend. Right. But she's over here baking you pies and cooking you meals and all this other stuff because she's your friend. No, she's not your friend. Right. Your friend doesn't do that. Right. Your friend would tell you iron your own shirt. Right. <laughs> so amen. You know what I'm saying? In the same sense, we want to be very care careful 
that this misconception that because I'm not attracted to you, that gives me license to do whatever. All right. And I a lot can't. of times we use this brother-sister relationship to justify stuff. You have Don't to be, be fooled. Be careful with that brother-sister stuff because we had friends that said, uh, one friend of mine, she said, oh, that's just my little brother. That's not my brother. He hated the fact that he, she'd call him his brother. But guess what? They're married today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True statement. <laughs> True statement. All right. So, yeah, you got to be careful with that. Uh, dating and courtship. Another um, misconception is that dating and courtship are the same thing. And actually, there is a... A very a clear difference. difference. Yes, you can define it for us. Babe. Okay. Um, you know, one thing that Candace and I looked at is the fact that dating, you know, is simply there to engage and bond with a person without an aim towards marriage. And that's the difference. When you're engaging in courtship, you're trying to draw the affections of a person out unto yourself, but your goal is marriage. When you're dating a person, your goal is not marriage. Your goal is to have a good time. Are you following that is your goal. Hey, let's go out to eat. Let's go to the pinball. You know what? Let's go bowling. You're not there to be like, hey, in your mind, you're like, I'm not going to marry this guy. He's spending money on me. He's buying me clothes. He, I mean, that's on him. But in your mind, I'm not going to marry him. But in his mind, he's thinking that very same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So we got to be clear on the fact that dating is this kind of worldly practice of just having good time with the person that you're attracted to. Versus courtship is saying we're going to enter into this time of bonding for the goal of marriage because we see potential that God could bless a relationship for it. If that's clear, let's say amen. Amen. So that's a very, very clear difference um, in why we use the term courtship in Christianity and not dating, right? We're not saying that you can't have good time with people of the opposite sex, um, but obviously we recommend you do that in a group so that you don't create that same thing we talked about. Well, I'm not attracted to you so we can hang out all the time. No, that's a foolish assumption. You're going to find yourself in some drama. Which takes us back to just simply being friends. We know how to be friends, right? Right? Okay. We'll get to that again as well. So what do we do? Oh, yeah. If we don't want to date, but we're not sure if this is a person we want to enter into courtship with. I gave away the answer. We just become friends, right? You can go <laughs> to the next slide. Friendship. You know, the simple art of being a friend um, getting to know each other the way that we would, Sebastian talked about in group settings, you know, uh, you're playing some games, eating, this you're observing a person. This was our, our photo person. shoot in England. And they said, oh, and that, the this is what the photographer that. said. He said, all right, guys, uh, so Candace, like, what should we do? How should we pose? He said, oh, just look natural. And then she started trying to uppercut me in the photo. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're friends. And so <laughs> friends do that kind of stuff. <laughs> But um, that's the one of the things that I think has been, um, has been a real blessing, even as we've progressed into marriage and parenthood, is that we've been friends along the way. And in that year and a half wait that we had, that's where we really established our friendship, where we weren't tied to, you know, because we have these affections and feelings, we have to act this certain way. But we really focused on what it meant to just be a friend to each other, how we could minister to each other just as friends, um, the quirks that he had, the quirks that I had, um, so what just works? taking time to observe those things. Our time is up. Okay. <laughs> um, we have a type form. So if you want to take a picture of this, um, it's basically an online survey. You can submit your questions that you have. We're going to have a Q&A session, session number six. So you want to just take a picture of that or just go there on your phone. Um, we tried to rename the URL, but we didn't have time. Sorry. If anybody knows how to do that, let us know. <laughs> Um, but basically, um, we can also submit it to GYC to have a link, um, and I can talk to them about it. But this is the link. You can go in, go to that web page. It'll ask you some basic questions, um, and you can actually submit your questions so that we can answer them on the seventh session. Thanks yes. so much. Let's go and have a prayer to close. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of life. And Lord, we want to thank you that you are a lover of beauty. And that for us to appreciate the beauty that you've put into the world is one of the reasons why you gave us eyes and vision. We pray, Lord, that we would also be careful to not fall into Potiphar's wife's trap, to fall into Amnon's trap, to simply be driven by our physical attraction and our base desires. But help us, Lord, to marry religion, our prayer life, 
reason and our feelings together in order to make the best decision to honor you and to bless other people is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. God bless. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.